0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and today I am joined by a little Mike, Mike Ayula. How are we doing, my man? Doing good, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing pretty well here on this Tuesday night, uh, November 2nd. November, fall is in full, full gear here. We're turning the corner to winter, and that means college basketball is right around the corner. The season kicks off a week from tonight with the Champions Classic. You've got number nine, Duke, taking on number 10, Kentucky, followed by number three, Kansas, taking on unranked. Michigan state Uh, Michigan state would be number 26 if they had another spot, but I I digress. Uh, But college basketball is right around the corner. So I feel we've got to take a little bit of a dive and talk college hoops. Uh, I I mentioned some rankings already for a couple of the teams. So let's start there. Uh, The preseason AP top 25 is indeed out. And sitting atop the throne, uh, probably to no one's surprise, is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They are returning Drew Timmy. And they all they did was add the number one recruit in the 2021 draft class, Chet Holmgren. I think I said that right. Uh, this dude is a very slinky, slender man. But he knows a thing or two about the game of basketball there and he wasn't the number one recruit for no reason. He can play on both ends of the ball. Uh, he can protect the rim and he's dynamic on offense as well. Uh, he can shoot, he can get to the bucket and score at the rim. Uh, there's not a whole lot he can't do, but he really just needs to build out that frame of his um, elsewhere across the top five. You've got, UCLA checking in at number two, and I definitely want to get into them uh, a little bit here, uh, followed by Kansas at three, Villanova at four, and Texas at five. Uh, Like I said, Duke is sitting at nine, and your North Carolina Tar Heels check in at number 19. So, Mike, Mm. let me ask you this. Uh, Looking at the preseason poll, uh, what kind of stands out to you? Uh, does anything kind of shock you? Does any anything surprising? Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, well, you know, when looking at the preseason poll, kind of like you said, um, not seeing Michigan State in there feels weird, uh, throughout the whole Tom Izzo era, they've kind of felt like a staple in these rankings, but the past couple of years, they've kind of taken a bit of a drop off in the quality of their play and the quality of their teams. Um, so not seeing them in there, but still knowing that they're in the champions classic feels a little weird to me. Um the other big thing that sticks out UCLA in there too I mean th- th- that's like a 1960s kind of ranking right like th- this is <laughs> this is some old like we talk about the big blues we think like Kansas Carolina Duke UCLA hasn't been a big blue in a long long time and and now we're looking at them and they're above everyone but Gonzaga I mean th- that feels weird to me to see them that high up but you know bringing back, uh, I believe, Johnny Juzang's back this year, along with the majority of that core that made such a deep run last year. So it's not not that surprising when you think about the quality of the team that they have out there um, to you know, see them that highly valued in the preseason rankings. Whether or not they live up to that expectation is to be determined, though. Uh, it's a long, grueling season in college basketball in the Pac-12. Low-key, while, while they are crappers in football, they they tend to put out some pretty quality basketball teams year in and year out. So. Uh, it's going to be a grind for them to maintain that ranking.
0: Mm -hmm. UCLA is definitely a team that has my attention because you think you go back to last season, right? Obviously, they had that final four run, but it started in the first four. They were trailing Michigan State by double digits. They were down 14 in that game uh, at one, and they were down in the second half. They storm back late, get the win, and they make the run. But if they had lost that first four game, they're like 17 and 10 and losers of five of their last six. And they would be nowhere near number two in the preseason poll coming into this year. So I, I, I'm a, I almost want to take it with a grain of salt, and I'm totally with you. Like It re- very much remains to be seen what this team can do. But with that being said, uh, not only are they returning Johnny Juzang, they are returning everyone from that final four roster. Plus they're adding a top 15 recruit in Peyton Watson, the number 12 recruit uh, for the ESPN top uh, 100 from the 2021 class. So you're, you're returning everyone from that final four run plus bringing in a grad transfer and a top 15 recruit. Uh, that is That is why, they are number two in the preseason rankings but at the same time i feel like the hype wouldn't be as much there if they had stumbled early in the tournament last year given their regular season woes
1: yeah yeah i tend to agree with that i think that that tourney run definitely inflated their ability but when you 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 show an ability like that to come out in march and and have a party uh the committee is going to take that into account and the coaches poll as well and they're going to see you and be like okay maybe we should have put a little bit more respect on you. And so they're going to, you know, give you the benefit of the doubt and put you uh, that high up, especially when you consider a lot of the teams below them, Kansas, Villanova, Texas, they didn't make deep runs in the tourney last year. So while the talent may be there for those teams, they don't have that X factor in the ability to finish that, that UCLA team showed. And so, you know, like, like we said, it remains to be seen whether it can be carried out over the full season, but very interesting to see them there.
0: Yep. Um, Couple other notes, the defending national champion Baylor Bears check in at number eight. They're losing the core of their championship roster. Those that dynamic trio of guards we talked about on the show a couple times last year, they're all gone as well as their big man Vitale down low. Uh, so they're, they've got to bring in a lot. There's going to be a lot of turnover for the defending champions, but a top 10 ranking indicates that what they are bringing in to replace those guys is more than adequate to put them in the championship hunt, or at least it should be on the surface. Then you've got your other blue bloods. We talked about, you, you brought up blue bloods earlier, Mike, another one that we haven't mentioned yet. Kentucky checks in at number 10. Uh, This is going to be an interesting year. Obviously, Kentucky struggled at times last year, just like many other Blue Bloods did in the COVID year. But Kentucky this year, uh, Coach Calipari has opted, instead of just relying on bringing in the best of the best freshman recruits, he's opted to lean more on grad transfers and the transfer portal to kind of re- retool his roster for this year. Um, now, he, that's not to say he didn't get any five-star prospects. He's, he got a pair of them. Uh, but uh, I'm very interested to see how this version of Kentucky, which has more sort of experience to it, maybe not playing with each other, but has much more experience on the college level, will will do this year. Like yep, what are and, your thoughts on uh,
1: Oh, yeah. I was sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there at the end. I was going to say, uh, shout out Kentucky. Um, My high school classmate of three years, Kellen Grady, uh, is one of those grad transfers that you mentioned. He's now playing for Kentucky, taking advantage of the, the fifth year. Shout out Catholic Memorial. You know, he played that for three <laughs> years. Hel- helped, helped bring us the state championship. You were actually at that game, so you've gotten to see Kellen play live. So you know uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, it's been a long time, six years now, but you you, you know a little bit about his game. <laughs> uh, good good players should add some leadership to that roster. It, it is interesting that they have finally evolved a little bit from the we're only going to go with five star freshmen. It seemed like that that model the past few years has kind of bitten them in the ass. Um, they haven't been, you know, the dominant Kentucky team that they were when they had Anthony Davis or Carl Anthony Towns and those like one off teams that just ran through the SEC and the majority of college basketball for the year where they could make deep runs. They've kind of you know, taking their licks, and that's that's the liability you take with an approach like what they had. Is if it hits, it's great because you're obviously the most talented team. But if those five stars don't develop right away, you know, you you're stuck with a bunch of guys who are uninspired there just to get their year over with before they go to the league, or don't quite have it, and then they come back and they are not what you thought they would be, and they screw up your long term plans. So, um, it's interesting to see Coach K, uh, not Coach K, Coach Cal uh, take take that unique approach. Um, with regards to Baylor, uh, interesting to see them still at number eight. They are bringing back two key holdovers. Matthew Meyer, uh, the stretch forward who came off the bench, was a really um, big player in their national title run. He should have a much more expanded role. And uh, I think possibly a dark horse for Big 12 player of the year. And Adam Flagler uh, was averaging, a clo- I think, I'm not sure how many points, but I think it was close to double digits, if not double digits, last year coming off the bench. He's an electric three point shooter. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot more this year. Now that Davion Mitchell and Oh God, what was the other Baylor guard? I can't remember off the top of my head. It's been, um,
0: uh, Oh my God.
1: It's Jared, Jared Butler. He, yes. I should have remembered him Butler, who was literally like the big 12 player of the year last year. And I couldn't remember his name. God, um, <laughs> he, he was the better one in college. And I, all I remember was Mitchell, but yeah, no flag will take on a much bigger role for them this year. Um, and, and so I think he could, he could, be a key piece to how deep Baylor goes. Um, And yeah, um, those two teams are interesting. And the other one that I think we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss was Gonzaga, Um, you know, almost almost going undefeated last season, losing devastatingly in the national title game. Um, You know, they're bringing back Drew Timmy, who was just an absolute monster for them last year. And they're bringing in the number one recruit in the country, and Sheth Holmgren a seven foot one unicorn who can score at all three levels and should just dominate, um, this upcoming season in college basketball. I'm, I'm really excited to watch him play this year. That that might be the best front court in the league and they should really, really make a lot of noise, especially against uh piss poor competition out in the mountain West.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're in the West coast conference, but, uh, you know, I understand mountain West West coast conference. What's the difference, right? Um, let's, Let's look at the back end of the top 25, Mike. Uh, We haven't really spotlighted too much there. Uh, Is there any team outside the top 10 that kind of grabs your attention that you think might be potentially a dark horse or a team that you might be interested in looking to North Carolina?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, Ryan, I'm glad you coughed there um, because looking at the number 19 team in the country, the North Carolina (laughs) Tar Heels, You know they're bringing back a relatively experienced core. Armando Baycott, a junior this year, uh, former highly rated recruit, should have a big role um, in the post Garrison Brooks era. Um, Caleb Love, sophomore point guard, didn't quite explode as much as people thought he would his first year, but I think that was dramatically inflated by, oh god, Colby White's explosion the year before. People mm-hmm. thought, oh, they're just going to get another freshman point guard who lights it up. Doesn't always work like that. Um, sometimes you have to take a year to develop. And so that's kind of what love is going to need. And another key piece, senior Leaky Black, six foot eight winger, not great offensively, but willing to take on tough defensive assignments. He should be, you know, a key piece for them. But it's not any of the players that I'm most fascinated about. It's this is the first year of the post Roy Williams era. He retired this past offseason, um, as Coach K will do, in the coming offseason, his final year at Duke. Uh, so it's going to be weird not seeing Roy Williams on that North Carolina sideline for the first time in at least as long as my memory serves me. Um, I, I think he's been there since I was born in 98. And if he wasn't, he was at Kansas when I was, you know, still in diapers. So I, I wouldn't really remember that anyways. So seeing someone else coaching that team up will be interesting. I think, you know, if, if these guys develop the right way and show the the improvements that they need to show, they could make some noise, Um but, but that's the risk, like, like I talked about earlier. The wrong recruits come in, they don't develop, and you're stuck with kind of a mediocre roster for a few years until you get some over. So interested to see how they play themselves out this year. Another team uh, that I would say I'm interested to see is the team that represents the state you're in right now, and that's Arkansas at number 16. They had a really talented roster last year, but they lost their uh, best player, five-star recruit, Moses Moody. Got drafted in the lottery by the Golden State Warriors as a bench player for them now interested to see how they rebound from that and come into this year with, you know, relatively high expectations. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how the coach handles this new look, Arkansas team without Moody.
0: Yeah. They've, they're going to be very transfer heavy. Uh, they're projected to have three starters that are transferring from other schools. Uh, they've got, Chris Likes, who's going to be coming over from the U of Miami. You've got Odyssey uh, Tony, who's coming in from Pitt, and Stanley Moto coming from South Dakota, who averaged almost 22 points for, per game uh, for South Dakota, uh, and that is to pair with a uh, a pair of returning starters for the Razorbacks. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if if Eric Musselman. Uh, or muscleman rather can get that team uh, going early, but he's been able to make his mark on Arkansas uh, early and often. He's got back-to-back 20 win seasons in his first two stints or his two years with Arkansas, including the 25 and seven elite eight run last year. So uh, if I, if I'm Arkansas, I'm, I'm not too worried about them being able to put it together. The SEC doesn't look to be too daunting of a league this year as it typically usually um, is the case. So they should have time to work out any kinks and get things going for the conference and NCAA tournaments. Uh, but the one team that I'm looking at that's outside the top 10, and that's the Memphis Tigers. And that's because they're bringing in two very highly regarded recruits in Jalen Duran and Emanie Bates, both projected potentially top five picks in the 2022 NBA draft. Uh, this is a team that Penny Hardaway has been trying for a couple of years now to not only bring in some of the best recruits, and, uh, but make turn this program into like a consistent winner that they really haven't been since the Derrick Rose days. And uh, so this is probably. Uh, this is probably Penny Hardaway's best roster since then. Uh, he's returning a pair of double-digit scores that'll be in his starting lineup to go along with the pair of, of diaper dandy recruits. They're also bringing in a transfer from, again, Miami, uh, who will be in Earl Timberlake, who's going to be looking to start there at the two. Uh, but I'm very... I mean, with all the issues that we've seen from previous recruits at Memphis... I'm very interested to see how this go around uh, goes for Emily Bates and Jalen Durand, and to see if Penny Hardaway can finally put together a team that not only has high expectations, but actually delivers on those pre on all the preseason hype.
1: I, I completely agree, Ryan. I think Memphis is definitely a team to watch, especially the reclassification of Bates kind of transform the college basketball landscape. You know, there are a lot of really highly rated recruits, but, Bates is another one of those unicorns where he's just, I I mean, he profiles similar to a Kevin Durant, not, not quite the score. Durant was at this age, but he can score at all three levels with ease handles the ball exceptionally well for a player his size and fun fact about Bates. um, I think I read this a few months ago. I think he misses the 2022 draft cutoff by like 26 days. (laughs) So while he reclassified, he might not be eligible to get drafted next year, which means his recruitment is a two year recruitment for Memphis unless he goes to play overseas or the NBA decides now that they're going to change the cutoff date, which I don't see them doing just for Bates specifically. Um, so he could, you know, he could be at Memphis for two years, which could really change their landscape, not only for this year, but the following year, where his development at the program could then put them a step ahead in the following year where he would technically classify as a sophomore. Um, so, But he is a monster recruit. I think he's on that, that James Wiseman level. Um, let, let's just hope he doesn't decide to not play college basketball like Wiseman did. But, you yeah. know, uh, I, I think he really, really makes this landscape interesting. And if he is as good as he was in high school, which was the most dominant player in the country, I mean, he was the Gatorade player of the year as a sophomore, which just never happens. Um, they, they could make some noise and find themselves in the top five very quickly.
0: Yep. A couple other players that I want to talk about real quick before we dive more into depth for North Carolina and Duke this year Um, two come to mind for me. That's Remy Martin, who is the grad transfer coming over from Arizona State to Kansas. Uh, He was a he's a two time first team, all Pac-12 player. He averaged 20 points a game last year for the Sun Devils and Now he steps in and fills the point guard shoes for Bill Self. They are bringing back uh, all four other starters uh, outside of their point guard from last year, whose name is uh, Marcus Garrett. That's who it is. Uh, So you got Remy Martin coming in and taking over for Marcus Garrett, but everyone else returns. Uh, David McCormick, uh, who plays very well, seven footer down in the post. Uh, They bring back a a trifecta of other double-digit scores in Christian Braun, Ochai, Agbahi, and Jalen Wilson. Uh, You pair that up with Remy Martin. If if Martin is able to fit in seamlessly with the Jayhawks, uh, then, yeah, this is definitely a team that has national championship aspirations written all over it, and it's no surprise to see them clocking in at three in the preseason rankings. Uh, The other player that I do want to highlight um, and this is, this is kind of one of those, uh, and Mike, you, you'll get a, you, I think you'll like this one. Uh, if you've ever played NBA 2k associations long enough, you start to, to see some draft classes where you start to think if these, uh, the names even exist, but sometimes they do. One of those guys that I just noted happened to notice popped out to me was Patrick Baldwin jr. This guy, I can remember playing associations in NBA like 2K15, and this guy would be in like the 2022 draft class or something like that. And uh, Patrick Baldwin was always on that uh, one of those names that was always there. He was they set the person who made the draft class would go to send him to like Georgetown and make the dude nasty. Baldwin goes to the University of Milwaukee as the number five recruit in the 2021 class could have went anywhere, any big name, any blue chip, blue collar, blue blood could have went anywhere. He chose to stay in state and play for a mid major, which we're seeing a little bit more of with top recruits of late, but Patrick Baldwin is a beast. He's six foot 10. He's going to be an absolute nightmare for the horizon league. And he should dominate that, that league from the get go. And, and, Honestly, I I think he could single-handedly propel that team to a conference title, and hopefully they'll win the conference tournament so that we get to see him play in the NCAAs.
1: I agree. I I can't believe that Patrick Baldwin won that he's actually finally in college, because I remember (laughs) those dark days in high school where I'd be like, all right, I'm in my 10th year of my franchise, and... Up oh, there's Bronny. Okay, yep. And then there was Baldwin a couple of years prior to that. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's crazy. I'll, I'm actually going to give two players myself that I want to watch out for on some other teams. And they're actually in your favorite conference, the B1G. Um, they're big men. We've got to give some love to the big guys. One, uh, number six, Michigan's center Hunter Dickinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming back this year, averaged 14 and 7.5 and last year as a freshman. Those numbers should only go up this year. He's a really quality interior big man, could have a Luka Garza-type rise if he stays at uh, Michigan long enough. He he should have a much expanded role now, Um, and and it'll be interesting to see the kind of numbers he puts up this year as the clear-cut number one option on a highly ranked team. The other is 7-foot, 285-pound, Jamaican-born Kofi Coburn. And, yes, that is how you pronounce it. I know how it's spelled. It is Coburn as it is pronounced, even though it does say, you know, Cockburn, you had to um, go there
0: you had yeah. to go there
1: well, I, I, I i tried to avoid it but it's just really, it's just <laughs> no really no
0: you did not avoid it
1: <laughs> I, i'm 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 a fifth i didn't avoid it uh yeah no it's he he should have a really really big role on their team this year the soon moves in the nba now that's his team as the leader he's not the most gifted scorer he doesn't have a ton of moves you really can't have a ton of moves when you're that large of a human being. I mean, he he's he's basically the same size as Shaq when you get down to it, but obviously much less athletic. Otherwise, he'd be in the NBA right now. Um, but he's just a presence on the inside. I mean, I haven't seen many human beings built like him, and it's going to be borderline impossible to score on Illinois on the inside if he stays out of foul trouble. And if he can give them, you know, 16 and 12 a night, you know, just by dunking the ball or laying it up and in, you know, they're going to be a problem. You know, Illinois was a really good team last year. They brought a lot of that roster back. and If they run through Coburn and their other pieces step up, you know, they could make some noise themselves. But I'll be fascinated to see Coburn's development.
0: Yeah, that Coburn averaged 18 points a game last year, and that was with Dosumo as, like, the closer and the, the go-to guy for the fighting Illini. Now that Kofi is the go-to guy, uh, those numbers should only only expand. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him go for 20 and 12 uh, this year. Um, he, and yeah, he could single-handedly carry them to another Big Ten championship like they did last year. Um, it, is, it is interesting to note, though, that he did not only did he test the NBA draft waters before withdrawing his name, he also entered the transfer portal before he ultimately decided to come back to uh, champagne. So uh, he's he obviously likes it enough that despite looking at his odds for the pros and elsewhere across the college landscape, despite all that, he ultimately settled with coming back to Illinois. So uh, good for him. The only thing is, though, he is suspended the first three games of the season uh, before the new NIL rules could take effect uh it was deemed that he was selling his merchandise uh, a month prior to that and so the ncaa is being stubborn and is uh forcing him to pay back that money to a charity of his choosing uh, and is also taking him out of the first three games of illinois season Uh, they shouldn't have too much of a problem as their early schedule is two cupcakes and then i believe they get into it with marquette uh, that's their first real sort of test um, so he'll miss that uh, but they should be fine otherwise um, let's get into duke and north carolina that's that's what you and i really want to get into the most uh you've already kind of talked about north carolina a little bit uh, but but talk to me about what your expectations are I mean given the recruiting class that they brought in given how many players they have returning and the fact that they're breaking in a new coach in uh, Hubert Davis correct
1: yep yep Hubert Davis has taken over this year a long time assistant to Roy Williams Um gonna be honest I don't really know what to expect from this team I mean they've they've got some holdovers but no real highly ranked freshmen coming in from what I, what I saw. Uh, It was, you know, a lot of the top recruits have picked other schools. And I think, you know, when you lose a guy like Roy Williams, you're not going to necessarily get any big name, five stars, their best recruit this year. Um, Oh, wait, nope. hold on. That's the 2022 recruiting class.
0: I think your best recruit was DeMarco Dunn, who was a top 50. um,
1: yeah, he's 49th in the 49th, 6'4, 180 pound uh, guard from Fayetteville in North Carolina. So an in-state uh, an in-state guy, um, you know, four stars, he he should, you know, provide some sort of assistance off the bench. Um, but but I don't know how much he does. I mean, any recruit that's outside of the top 10 to 15 isn't isn't going to exactly like the world on fire. They're going to need some time to get acclimated. They're, they're probably, you know, not going to be anything special right away. They're going to be multi-year guys who, you know, become core college basketball players that maybe turn into role players in the NBA. But, um, you know, I, it, I I don't have a ton of expectations with them for that reason. It's it's not a great recruiting class, and it's not a great group of holdovers. I, I do like Bacon and Love. I think that they... Uh, could be really key in, you know, how the team performs this year, especially Love. You know, the ball's going to be in his hands almost at all times. I mean, everything is going to run through him and the way it ran through Kobe White two years ago and having that year of experience under his belt, he should show massive signs of improvement. Um, Bacon is a really good scorer on the inside. And with Garrison Brooks no longer on the team, he will have a much more go-to role as well as with guys like Walker Kessler having transferred out and everything else. They do have, I believe, one guy who transferred in this year. Uh, I believe his name is, he's a sophomore, and he is Dawson Garcia. Uh, he averaged 13 and 6 last year. And I, I, it looks like he, the jersey it has him in looks like a Cat jersey.
0: That is correct. Uh,
1: so he has, uh, you know, major conference experience, as we know that the Big East is a, is a major conference um, for big-time players. Um, you know, shout out, shout out my school, province, go Friars. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, he should help them a little bit. Um, you know, hopefully Leaky Black has figured out how to score the basketball by now. I have to put his defense earlier, but he's really not much on the offensive end. Uh, you know, like, like I said, Dunn, Dunn could hopefully offer something. Dontre Styles, the other freshman that they brought in, hopefully he turns into something. Other than that, it's a lot of sophomores and juniors, so they're kind of in, in a bit of a holding period, you know, they. they, this kind of, it almost screams like we know we're going to be mediocre, but we're eating the year and we're hoping that Hubert Davis is the right guy for the job and he can bring in some bigger recruits next year. They have a, they have a top 25 currently committed for next year. One guy in the top 25, I should say. Uh, So, you know, we'll see. I, I think at their peak, you're looking at top four finish in the ACC, Top five seed in the NCAA tournament in a in a bracket, not like overall, but in a bracket, yeah. like a top five seed and elite eight run. Maybe um, I don't think this is a Final Four team. I I don't think it's an elite eight team either. At their bottom, they're a bottom half of the ACC team. They probably don't make the tournament. Uh, you know, hope, hopefully it doesn't come to that. That that was the case a couple of years ago, when they were the worst team in the ACC. Um, but but we'll see. It's it's really a wide scale. This team doesn't have a massive ceiling, um, and it does have a low floor, so kind of just hoping for the best, but expecting mediocrity. That was a long winded way of being very repetitive and <laughs> saying, I-, I think they're going to be mediocre.
0: That's interesting because, uh, they're at a lot of the media believes North Carolina to be easily a top four team in the ACC. Uh, especially with, with the preseason top 20 ranking. I mean, they're ranked higher than Virginia. They're ranked higher than uh, – I think they're ranked higher than Florida State as well. Um, and the only one that is ranked ahead of them, I believe, is, is Duke. Um, so, I mean, from what I've seen, uh, it's been a lot more optimistic on the North Carolina front. But yeah, I mean, what we've seen from a couple of past years between Duke and North Carolina is that they are now prone to these really bad seasons, and all it takes is a couple of things to just not go right, and you you end up being a five hundred ball club or worse, and you you just the season becomes miserable to watch. That being said, I should I would be remiss if I did not mention Joe Lunardi's preseason bracketology uh, has Duke as a three seed and North Carolina on the five line. So you are right in line with his thinking there uh, that North Carolina should pan out to be somewhere on the five line by the end of the the time, the tournament comes around. Um, I I think North Carolina will definitely be in the the running uh, for the ACC regular season crown. Um, Again, just like many other teams, it'll be how quickly can you put all the pieces together and whatever you, and being able to find out, figure out what kind of team you are and play to those strengths and eliminate as many of the weaknesses as possible. I mean, you can say that about just about any sport and any team, but when in college basketball and college sports in general, when you have so much roster turnover, and especially in college basketball with the one and dones, um, it, it really just comes down to how quickly can you get, get your guys to click work together and so I I think that's going to be the key for you guys is you've got a bunch of players returning and you're not bringing in too many uh new guys so that that part shouldn't be too too hard but depending on what Hubert Davis's system is I I don't I know that Roy Williams loved his too big system where it was just bully ball down low and own the paint I don't know if Hubert Davis is going to continue that or not, um, but regardless, if they're able to find themselves early and often, then I think the Tar Heels are in for a good season. I,
1: I would agree with that. I, I think that, you know, kind of playing that bully ball, um, you know, the way North Carolina has played under Roy Williams the past few years, is their key to success. Yeah. Um, you know, that starts with Love's ability to get the ball inside and make its ability to show that he has improved over the past couple of years and, you know, can make moves in the post. And most importantly, stay out of foul trouble, which tends to be the bug that bites every good college basketball big man in the ass. Um, but I'll digress from North Carolina for a minute because I'm sure you're dying to get to talk about Duke and uh, <laughs> their, their last year under Coach K. And I, I think they have – a. A pretty big recruit this year too, right? Bonchero, he was like the third-ranked recruit in the
0: country. Yes. Uh, yes, I have been dying to do this. Obviously, as you know, I save the best for last. Uh, but <laughs> that, that was warranted. That was warranted. Uh, <laughs> but Duke Duke's in an interesting spot this year. They're bringing back three starters from last year in sophomore Jeremy Roach, junior Wendell Moore, and sophomore Mark Williams, they Mark Williams came out of nowhere last year. He was getting no playing time for the majority of the season. Then down the stretch, when things went to shite, you had Mark Williams step in and all of a sudden go off for these big numbers. Averaged seventeen points a game down the stretch for Duke in his in the last six games of the season. He put up twenty three and nineteen in the ACC tournament against in a win over louisville before covid knocked the team out of that tournament that sucked please don't do that again um <laughs> but uh, they're gonna need a lot of growth from roach and more more settled for so many stinking jump shots last year when he is not a shooter he's he's a score he's a, he's a rim he's a guy that attacks the rim that's what he should be doing, and he settled way too much last year. And and Jeremy Roach, uh, he's he's got to be the playmaker and facilitator, and he's also got to be able to hit up the spot up threes. And last year he kind of struggled to do that. So those two are definitely going to have to step up. But you mentioned the the recruits; they had the number four recruiting class that last year for coming into this year, and that it features five, uh, three. Five-star players led by the man you mentioned, Paulo Banchero, who was the number four ranked pros, uh, recruit in the 2021 class. They also bring in a pair of grad transfers to kind of fill out the bench. Panchero uh, is going to be have the spotlight all over him. If it weren't for Coach K's sort of swan song uh, season, I, all eyes would absolutely... Be on Paulo Banchero for this team. He's six foot 11, 250 pounds, plays a stretch four, can play on the wing, can play in the post. Uh, he can play on offense, and he can play just as well on defense. He's already been tabbed the ACC preseason player of the year, hasn't even played a single second of college basketball. He's already have, has all the hype in the world about being a potential number one pick in the draft whether it's him, Chet Holmgren, who knows. Regardless, expectations are going to be super high for the, fre- the freshman. And you factor in Coach K's final season with John Shire already named the successor for next year. Uh, the, the, there's going to be a lot of pressure on this Duke team because of all that. Uh, the starting five, I, I do think that they should uh, have a pretty good season. Uh, It'll be the four guys that I've mentioned, plus one of the other five-star recruits, A.J. Griffin. The problem is Griffin suffered a knee injury uh, in the offseason back in early October. I'm not sure how long he's going to be out for, uh, so they may have to kind of uh, swing things here. it will probably lean on Trevor Keels, who was the third of the three five-star recruits He'll probably be tabbed as the third as the third guard, and they'll go three-guard lineup. Um, I think the keys to success for Duke are going to be, like I was saying for Wendell Moore, just getting to the free-throw line more often and less settling for jumpers. There was nothing more painful than watching a Duke game last year and watching them just settle for so many threes and so many jumpers. And they went on to finish bottom 15, in free throw attempts in the country. There's like 300 and something teams in college basketball and Duke found a way to find almost be at the basement of the entire division one of college basketball in free throw attempts. That can't happen again. They have got to be more aggressive, get to the basket, get to the free throw line. And that'll set up more of the driving kicks. And that should hopefully also set up more open three point attempts. And that's another thing that they need to do. They need to hit threes efficiently enough to create that space on the floor for the playmakers. If Wendell Moore is not going to have a lot of space to drive to the rim, if if nobody is going to respect Duke on the perimeter. So they're going to have to improve on that. And then physically, I think this team will be really good defensively but they, did, they do need to get after it physically on defense and kind of impose their will. I think that'll be their strength of this team. I don't expect too many shootouts in, in regards to this team, but I think they'll be able to lock in, play really physical on defense. And they should have the, the, the interior covered between Mark Williams and grad transfer Theo John, six foot nine, coming over from Marquette. Those two should be forces to be reckoned with. They both averaged a block and a half a game last year. And that was with Mark Williams playing, uh, in a very reduced bench role, like I said, for the majority of the season. So uh, I feel like he could be a guy that easily averages 10 points a game. Uh, we'll call it seven or eight rebounds and two blocks a game. and can really be a playmaker, uh, for sure for the team. Uh, I know we've talked about – you talked about your expectations for North Carolina, Mike. Uh, For me, I think given the preseason expectations for most, I feel like this is a team that can and should win the ACC regular season outright. I don't think they'll win the tournament. Um, I feel like somebody else will stumble uh, or they'll stumble along the way and somebody that needs the win, needs the tournament more, will probably – bounce them i see them somewhere around the two line i know i I mentioned joe venardi has them early on as a three seed i actually like them as a two seed but that's if obviously if every a lot of things go right and they play and exceed expectations but i know you said that, that carolina's ceiling is elite eight i could go and say that dukes is the final four but i don't i really i'm not sure I, I, this is a Final Four team, to be honest with you. Obviously, if Banchero is like the is like another Zion Williamson, another Kevin Durant, then yeah, the 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 this is a this could be a national title contender for sure. But something, something, I I don't know, something just feels off. Uh, it almost feels like it's going to be like a the Zion year where you know they were struggling, they had all the talent in the world, but they were. And they were clearly better than almost every team they played against, but they're going to struggle to overcome a lot of teams uh, when push comes to shove. And they're going to be playing a lot tighter games, especially in the tournament. So I kind of feel like they'll get bounced in like somewhere in the sweet 16 when all is said and done.
1: Yeah. um, I'm going to be honest. As soon as you said, Theo, John, I started getting a little bit of PTSD because that dude has been in college for like 20 years now. Um, I mean, like Marquette must have had a friggin' exodus this past offseason. And that that does sound about right for, for Marquette with Wojciechowski leaving. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, do they, they always have a good roster and they're going to want to play hard for Coach K as his last year and, and give him a good swan song. I agree with your take on the ACC tourney. I think that, you know, they're going to get complacent in that and probably – End up losing a game to a team they shouldn't lose to because they're probably not going to need it. On paper, they're the best team in the ACC, and they should be on that two-three line the whole year. I don't know that they'll get to the one line. That's kind of a
0: yeah a difficult
1: I, spot to get to.
0: I don't. I don't think they will.
1: Um, you know, I I think that theoretically, if they get hot enough in the tournament, they could make a run to the national title game. At which point, anything can happen. But I don't know if this is this is really a national title winning roster. Usually those teams have, you know, that it guy and as good as Banchero is and Wendell Moore and some of these other guys, I don't know if any of them are that it guy that can really take you over the top. And, and when push comes to shove, win you that national title game, you know, as the main guy, a la, you know, a Jared Butler or the year before there actually wasn't anybody. So I guess Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell and some of those guys at Baylor, um, you know I don't know if this is it's a really good team but it's not a team that's quite as deep as Baylor and it's not a team that has that number one guy so can they make a run yes will they I don't know it's 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 kind of like a better version of North Carolina but it's still a really weird team where it's kind of like it doesn't necessarily feel like they are that Duke team
0: yeah I'd have to agree with most of that um I think this is absolutely Paulo Banchero's team, uh, even though he's the freshman, but it, it's it's going to – this team is going to go as Banchero goes. They're going to put the ball in his hands early and often, and they're going to expect him to to lead them to, to the promised land. And it, if he gets hurt early or if he struggles and is inconsistent, then this team is doomed to – struggled to just be real to stay towards the top of their own conference, let alone have a top four seed line. So uh, I, I'm really hopeful in, in Paulo Banchero. I'm really excited to, to see him play. Uh, but ultimately it's going to come down to him because I don't expect Wendell Moore to take this leap and turn into like a 15 and seven type of guy. Uh, and I don't expect, anyone else to really be able to do that outside of maybe Mark Williams, but I we've only seen a small sample size for him. So I'm not sure if he can sustain that over an entire season. So I am, I am optimistic about this team and I think that they have a lot of potential, but at the same time, sort of like you were saying with Carolina, I do think the they don't have a terribly high floor either. Like this, this could get off the rails really quickly if things go Bad from the start um but we, i won't have to wait uh and we won't have to wait to see how long uh see what kind of team they might be we'll get a very good look at them right off the bat going up in a top 10 showdown with kentucky and the champions classic next tuesday uh i think that's pretty much It, though, Mike, Uh, is there any other last thoughts you have about the college basketball season? Any other final thoughts you want to toss in here before we call it a a wrap?
1: Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my alma mater, Providence. Um, I mentioned him a couple times. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, coming into an interesting year, uh, Nate Watson um, taking advantage of his fifth year coming back. He should have a monster season for the Friars. A.J. Reeves entering his senior year. Big expectations for him to take a massive role on the team. It's their, their first year of the post-David Duke era. He is now in the NBA, has a two-way contract with the Brooklyn Mets. Uh, they brought in a bunch of grad transfers, not a ton of young guys coming in. R- really a very similar roster, but with a ton of experience to what they had. Uh, similar roster to last year with some more outside experience coming in. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see how they look. Uh, a lot of writers, per usual, I think have heavy expectations for them in the Big East. I tend to tamper my expectations as I've learned the hard way that the more excited you get about Providence, the heavier the downfall is when you watch them lose to DePaul for the 50th time. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to watch them play this year, um, but, but I'm, I'm tampering my expectations. But uh, other than that, i just excited that college basketball is back around the corner. It, it always provides for a good atmosphere and, it's good to see some guys who are, you know, the future of the national basketball association, uh, you know, get out there. I'm excited to see some of these young freshmen, uh, get after it and see what they're made of.
0: Yep. Can't wait for that. Uh, it's, should be a fun season. Uh, all of the, all of the students and fans will be back in attendance. So we're going to get to see those jam packed arenas, Cameron indoor, uh, as well as uh, your arena, which uh, it has a name, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and, and just, just the atmosphere in general, there's nothing better in, for me than college football, college basketball. The atmospheres are incredible and in, almost impossible to match. And last year with no fans just sucked or limited fans was just tough, but getting those fans back, we'll create those electric atmospheres that we missed out on last year. And I can't wait for the season to get going. So I think that's going to do it. So for low Mike, I am Ryan Brown and we will see you next time. Go to.